Welcome to the Frankly Who Cares podcast. It's the Frankly Who Cares podcast, the podcast that's been pretending to know a lot about minority sports since way before the Olympics started, and the pod which offers its supporters poetic ways of dealing with disappointment. Today, we talk about the sportsmen that we all love to hate. Stop the Twitter. Cut off Instagram. Prevent Piers Morgan from barking with a juicy bone. <laughs> Silence the racists and with muffled drum. Bring on the Olympics. The Euros is done. Let aeroplanes circle, moaning overhead. Scribbling on the sky the message. England won, Italy won after extra time. Italy went on penalties. Hashtag Euro 2020. Put runner-up medals around the necks of heroes. Let the spectators at home argue about whether you keep yours on or take it off immediately in that position. They were our north, our south gate, our east, our west. Our bunking off work early to see their knockout best. Our cheer, our exclamation, our swearing, our song. We thought the Euros would last forever. We were wrong. Those stars are not wanted now. Put out every one. They go back to their clubs to play alongside Emmy Martinez and Hyung Min Son. Pour away the stellar, sweep up the wood. But on the bright side, that girl on the BMX this morning was really, really good. <laughs> um, of the on the list of things I was expecting at the start of this pod. <laughs> That did not feature. Uh, <laughs> that, that was, uh, poetry, wow, amazing. You know, very, sometimes very you've impressed. just got to take it to different levels. So. You do, yeah. And uh, What way to mark really... a, a season finale with a, with a exactly. slightly you know, left field? Addition. I'm glad it's a season finale because that would be hard to beat, to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> uh, very, very good. How have you been? Mm. No, yeah, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I've been enjoying uh, many of the things referenced there, and 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 so much more. It's yeah, it's been a good, good period sports-wise. How about you? Yeah, yeah. Not 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 too bad. It's. I mean, I think in lockdown, keeping track of time has been quite bizarre in terms of how much time. Mm. And the fact that it's been three weeks since the Euros already. I mean, it doesn't seem that that long mm. ago, but it, it's there's been just been so much sport. It all has kind of dropped off the radar quite quickly. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, there was a few, you know, conversations in the office the day after about just how disappointing people were, and I was like, yeah, it's sports gotten. So, yeah. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, I, I mean, I can only imagine the scenes in London if. England had one, which is worrying oh. in that it was worrying how bad it was anyway. Yeah. That was that was one of the uh the depressing things about waking up the next morning. It wasn't just the defeat and the nature of defeat, it the defeat, it was just uh, the response by certain, you know, people calling themselves England fans. Uh, both what happened at the stadium and reports of happening elsewhere and stuff that happened on social media. That was that that was the thing that made me feel most sort of flat about the whole thing it was just yeah and it made you think do we really should we really be hosting a world cup if that's sort of how we're yeah 
I mean, I think it could have been quite a lot worse as well at at Wembley itself um, because they had space to let people in who didn't have tickets. So because of the social distancing, things like that. So, um, but yeah, it did kind of deflate everything a bit because it had been also positive before that, really. Um, And England's young team doing really well. And there was always a chance they could lose that game to a very good Italy team. And we both predicted of course. A, a very close game, but um, it did sort of suck some of the enjoyment out of it, I think. Um, but It did a bit. I, w- um, I watched it at Friends, which is about a 10-minute walk away, and, and walking home, I saw people just out in the street kind of obviously deflated. One fully grown man crying like on the shoulder of his wife or girlfriend, like, wow. <laughs> um, Whoa. Like, bawling properly bawling um but yeah and i just thought oh god this walk if everyone was out in the street and you know beeping horns and stuff would be crikey (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was yeah it was a yeah very tight final there's been a lot of analysis hasn't there about the penalties should certain people have been taking them why weren't others taking them the order in which people took them what's your take on all that classic hindsight punditry isn't it i mean you yeah to bring people on for penalties is gonna be a high risk strategy um i the only thing that surprised me was that sacco as like the youngest person in the team was taking the fifth penalty and italy was it the fifth or sixth? no it was the fifth and Italy put like Jorginho. The fifth, yeah. Fifth. Saka, yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas Jorginho, who is Italy's best penalty taker, he he was on that one. And, you know, it, so it just seems like, I suppose there is a bit of a, do you put, because I think Ronaldo in the past has waited for the fifth one because it was the most important one and they never got that far. So, um, yeah, get there is, I suppose, an argument to just get ahead and stick your best players early on. And... I sort of forget Jorginho missed. So it, did, it yeah, just shows yeah. you. Well, I thought when that happened, not missed, thought, amazing this, is on, this is on, this is on. Because I think enough time has passed now that I can gloat about how accurate my prediction was that Italy would so. win on penalties after one or draw because Donna Rimmel was better at saving penalties than Pickford. However, they saved two each, but Rashford obviously missed the target. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, Pickford was brilliant. I mean, through the tournament as well. I'm, I'm not a massive fan of his, but he, he was an absolute star and he saved penalty from one of the best penalty takers, certainly in the Premier League. And I've got to say, yeah, that, that penalty is such a shame that we missed the next penalty because that would have gone down as a great moment. What a, To save a Jorginho penalty the way he takes them uh, and to do it in that spot when I thought we'd lost. Everyone thought that was the end of the game. Yeah, would have yeah. it, you know no one will really remember that it deserved more that's it mm. which is a real shame yeah absolutely yeah. so um yeah it, it it was um was was dis- disappointing and, and that yeah that roller coaster of pen, just in the pen shootout um i think so i watched it with uh my wife and a friend's wife who um are not massive football fans um but my wife said, have have England scored too early? And it was like probably the best bit of punditry 
offered watch. <laughs> yeah um even though that's exactly what happened against Croatia as well and it was yeah if anything i mean you'd never give it back mm-hmm. they would you'd never say oh actually i'd rather isn't it no. you'd rather score one because england hadn't had only conceded one but um yeah, yeah. agreed but you know it Losing, there's no, there's no disgrace in losing on penalties to that Italy team who were really good and deserved, you know, they deserved, deserved the trophy. On a different day, England could have won the penalty shootout. So, I think what you want as an England fan, and a lot of perspective has been lost. I think I've had so many conversations with people, even saying that you know Southgate's not good enough, etc. He's got to a semi-final of a World Cup and to within a penalty shootout of winning the Euros. In any other time of my life. You're happy, you would have snapped um, yeah, yeah, yeah. anyone's hand off for that. You just want to be in a position where you're competitive. To be in the final game of a tournament. <laughs> now yeah. I know why it's called the final. <laughs> I've experienced it. The final game, the last game, is a really good feeling. There's nothing more. When Once that's over, okay, we've done everything we could do. It's not like losing in a semi. So I thought, yeah, it was um, a, a successful tournament for England despite that that win. That's my take on it. Yeah. The, uh, despite that penalty shootout defeat, obviously. Yeah, and I yeah. think actually, a word for the the winners they they weren't um, they weren't as sort of pantomime villain as most other countries would be made out in this situation. I think like they they came across pretty well no. and actually did really well. Um, having been rocking early on, you know, England did control the game for probably the first fifteen or twenty minutes from memory and. But didn't actually create mm-hmm. anything more than the first um, the goal from Shawberto Carlos. Um, I, <laughs> I thought, I mean, Chiesa was pretty, pretty unbelievable. <laughs> he sort of dragged them back yeah. in on his own almost. Um, so, yeah. Impressive, yeah. I thought England, England were stronger in each time. I mean, they had the strongest squad really and the most options off the bench but it just wasn't wasn't quite enough mm. it sort of still held them held them at bay and then once it got to penalties obviously anything could happen but yeah enjoy very very enjoyable tournament and uh um and as an england fan like i say yeah just nice nice to be there till the pretty much bitter end gold silver bronze dean macy is next as usual, our last one of the season. Tom, do you just want to remind people what, what that's all about? Yep, so it's our, our top four candidates in a certain category to take gold, silver, bronze, and then the left field choice being Dean Macy, the heroic uh, fourth place. Uh, and this this week, we're talking about sportsmen we love to hate. And there was a post-issue uh, clarification on this in the mm-hmm. Not allowed administrators, so no Sepp Blatter, no no Platini, uh, mm. unless not in, in their in Platini's uh, capacity as an administrator anyway. Um, but you are allowed coaches, coaches, managers. Yeah. So that was particularly relevant to one of mine. So <laughs> and one of mine too, as usual. I'm going to say it's probably the same one, and it won't be. No, so, well, it won't. It definitely won't be. I, but yeah. I've got one that I'm more certain than ever you've got. Okay, but right. I probably will. I think I know where you might be going. So let, let's let's get to that. Right. So, um, 
why don't you kick off with this one? Who's your first one? I so I found that there was there's sort of themes of these, and some are like the worst humans you possibly imagine seeing, and you just hate them in every possible way. And then I've literally some got you... worst person alive written down as one of my categories. Yeah. Okay. Well, my one of these is the one I thought you might have, but. It is quite, it's more of a long shot than when I normally say that and when I normally say that I'm wrong. So, right. Um, sometimes it's the person you hate most in a team that you really hate. So they're more of a production of the team, um, but they can be both. And then mm-hmm. I found also there's one where they're not that, I don't hate them as much as I hate some of the other ones, but they've made a team I really hate better by being really <laughs> good and really good and yeah. So I've I've got one of those as well. Um, mm-hmm. So my first one, so worst human alive that I've ever seen watching playing sport, Mark Van Bommel. How interesting! He is he is on my list. Yeah, <laughs> but. I'll get to I'll get to where he fits in on my list later, but yes, um, continue. For me, he's the personification of the Dutch team in 2010 that just tried to kick Spain off the park. But I don't remember what he was good for, apart from doing the most fouls you could possibly do without getting sent off. That was his and, USP. Yeah, um, but I don't remember him like scoring that many goals or. I mean, guessing, looking back, he was kind of Kante of that era, but he wasn't anywhere near, near as good as Kante. But that sort of breaking up and, and playing in a Dutch team. And to me, the Dutch of like the 70s and 80s were the sort of the team who played with the most flair and actually, you know, but heroically fell, but playing the best football and taking the moral high ground by doing it. And like Van Basten mm. retired early because people fouled him so much. And, um, but yeah, Mark van Bommel was like the anti, he's the anti-Netherlands and he's just, yeah, just constant. Yes, horrendous. He, um, yeah, all he did was foul people and somehow not get booked. That That's all he did. Um, well, if he did something that po- he thought, that's GBH, it would be a yellow. Yeah, and then sometimes. he'd carry on <laughs> fouling people and not getting booked a second time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he did it for both club and country. <laughs> Um, it's, it's astonishing that he got away with it. So he was once uh, my absolute number one most hated uh, sports person. Um, he actually little story about him. Uh, as you know, I went to the World Cup in South Africa. So you don't like to talk about it, but um, uh, stayed in this this guest house uh, where you know all the people staying there it wasn't that big. All of us would sort of have breakfast together, and there was this uh, j- uh, reporter who was there for German. Um, uh, from a German newspaper and we would talk about all the football and I remember saying I can't remember what brought it up but Mark Van Bommel I hate him more than any other footballer he's just horrendous all the things you've just said and he went oh actually he's a really nice guy <laughs> he used to he used to do the I know he was said he worked at Bayern Munich and on the you know as a, as a reporter and he's a lovely he's actually a lovely man nice family I'm like I don't need to hear this I really don't need to hear this. But he did then agree that, look, he's one of these players who, if he's on your team, you appreciate yeah, what yeah. he does. 
but he was like, I understand why everyone else would hate him. So even he he understood that. So yeah, Mark Van Bommel is a strong that's a really strong start. Um yeah. Right. Um some interesting facts about that World Cup final where I said that was Mark Mark Van Bommel uh personified. Peak. So uh, Netherlands twenty eight fouls committed, uh nine yellow cards and one red. Um, of which Matt, Mark Van Bommel, uh, you know, got off to a nice early start, 20 minutes in, got booked, but then played another hour, another 100 minutes, sorry. Um, and, yeah, I, I'd forgotten they had a man sent off, but it was t- 10 minutes into extra time. <laughs> so they oh, got a long way through. I thought they'd just got away with it completely. But no, eventually, hmm. Heitinger got, booked for a, got done for a second yellow card. Because, of course, De Jong should have been sent off after, what was it, first 10 minutes or something? Uh, so that's 28. Well, he got booked on the 28th minute. I assume that was for the karate kick in the chest. <laughs> you would uh, hope it so. It wasn't completely missed. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, the the, mm. um, the day after the team, Cruyff d- criticised them as their contribution to the final as ugly, vulgar and anti-football. And I can't there really disagree with that. So, that there you go. spot on. Okay, so I like that. So, interestingly, the context—I'll—I'll—I'll I'll go on to my related one now. Actually, uh, context in which that fits in is I realised when I was going through this the amount of Dutch footballers that I hate, <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, "Wow, this is a rich theme." Um, uh, okay, I've got, I've got a couple of thoughts as to why that might be, but carry on. Okay, right, let's see, because I will give you the reasons and as I build up to my absolute, my number one, who actually isn't Van Bommel anymore. So, um, Edgar Davids, just, again, one of these people who, I don't know, seemed more to, to be, he was very arrogant. I know all the, most of these Dutch players are, but I don't think he was as good as he thought he was. He played for Spurs. That's a category in itself, yeah. of hatred. Um, now, I know he had glaucoma, but he also wore really stupid glasses. He didn't need to wear <laughs> stupid glasses. Um, and, um, yeah, just not likeable. How can, what is there to like about him? So there's, there's Edgar Davids. Then there's Arjen Robben, who, well, he played for Chelsea. Um, he was a horrible diving cheat, frankly. I think Wenger called him a cheat once and got in trouble for it because you're not allowed to say things that are true, obviously. Um, uh, I've been, I went to games where he would dive all over the place and then uh, score, and he scored so many important goals against Arsenal yeah. and against other teams, and it just really annoyed me. Um, oh. So that's a category but, of hatred, isn't it? That whilst they do all hmm. this stuff and they're clearly like shit house merchants, they're also really good. Yeah, and that's really annoying because you know the, the 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 balance between being punished for the for the the cheating. And the success isn't quite there. He achieved so much. He won all sorts of stuff in the Champions League. I think he's got a winner in the Champions League he final did, yeah, against yeah. Borussia Dortmund once, for example. Uh, also on my list, you won't be surprised to know, is Robin Van Persie. Um, yeah, okay. I mean, the way he left Arsenal in a really sort of just dishonest way of he released some statement about the little boy inside him said go and play for man you and he literally shared pictures of himself as a kid 
with Arsenal all over the walls wearing an Arsenal kit. But apparently that little boy is a Man U fan. Um, so, yeah, it was just, it wasn't very, yeah, anyway, he's he's annoying and very hateable as well. Mark Van Bommel we've talked about. But despite all of that, Ruud van Nistelrooy stands <laughs> alone for me. As a footballer, I have hated the most uh, as an Arsenal fan. Again, he ticks most of those boxes, actually, that we've talked about, that, that have already been mentioned. Um, so, obviously, a very good goal scorer. Um, scored important goals against Arsenal, cheated against Arsenal. He got, I remember an incident where he's involved in Patrick Vieira getting sent off. That obviously ended with him missing a penalty and then the, the first brawl of Old Trafford, or not first. If you if you discount the one in the early nineties, anyway, Battle of Old Trafford. I think that <laughs> yeah, one was called. That's the prawn sandwich, um, wasn't it? Are they throwing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pizza Gate, yeah. Um, and there was a an incident when when Arsenal lost their unbeaten run on forty nine matches at Old Trafford. He had done some uh, sly foul on Ashley Cole, where he either kicked him or punched him. I can't remember what it was. Which he after the match got banned for three games for but not during it obviously if they'd gone down to 10 men in what i think was early in the second half everything would have been different anyway he got he he got away <laughs> history would have changed he got away with a lot of things he was just not nice even his own teammates didn't particularly like him i'm pretty sure that roy Keane himself didn't like him he was he you'd sort of apparently allegedly he even like would bully and belittle cristiano ronaldo when he was young not a nice man um Ticks all the Dutch boxes. So Ruud van Nistelrooy is my is above all of those is my selection for consideration. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, hello to all our listeners in in Holland. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I probably feel the same way about them all. <laughs> um. I, yeah. I mean. So the only. Um, so my favourite Dutch sportsman of all time is Tim Visser, who converted to play for Scotland on the wing, uh, the rugby player. And he's like the mm. nicest guy alive. But I, I think they are, they're all nice guys off the pitch, but just on the pitch. Um, and of course they do have a, the, the footballers especially have a track record of falling out in with their own teammates in um, That's true. in quite public fashion. So, so what I was thinking where that might come in, because I immediately thought of who those Dutch players might be that you were going to get run through. Because if there's two things I associate with Arsenal's Champions League past, it is losing heroically to Barcelona or getting absolutely spanked off the park by Bayern Munich. Like that and some meaningless <laughs> mm-hmm. group game against Olympiacos. They're there. That is, <laughs> to me, that is 90%. That's of classic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, of Arsenal's Champions League history. So... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm not surprised to see Robin in there because also because he played for Chelsea. Um, yeah, and yeah, I did wonder if if Van Bommel might have featured. So to me, he he played for Barcelona for a while, but apparently it was only one season. And then he went to Bayern Munich for ages. But again, mm. that's a Bayern Munich team which, if you play for them for four years, you've probably spanked Arsenal at one point or another. That's true. Yeah, um, very much so. so. But I mean, your your yeah your point about Dutch people off the pitch. I mean, one of the stars of. Um... Uh, the TV coverage of the Euros just gone was uh, Nigel de Jong of Karate Kick in the yeah. World Cup final fame. Um, who's just a brilliant, he came across as a, a, a superb, knowledgeable, very erudite um, mm. uh, pundit um, who just came from nowhere. Never seen him do that job before at yeah, all. Yeah. And he was outstanding. Um, well, there was much that, to many people's surprise. That incredible time where 
what was a I would say a fairly 50-50 red card, maybe 60-40 in favour of red, uh, where loads of people on Twitter were going, that's definitely not a red card, oh, the game's gone. And then it went back to the studio and Nigel de Jong, Roy Keane and Patrick Vieira all said, yeah, that's a red card. So, <laughs> yeah. Three of the, well, certainly two of the dirtiest players that, that ever played and then Patrick Vieira, who was not a stranger to a red card. No. So Very much so. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. I mean, there's so Dutch footballers, good, good, strong showing. So there's two other national national teams that that uh, people won't find as a surprise that I've got candidates for. And then there's one which is a bit more niche, but I have mentioned in the past. They're they're sort of hatred for. So um, so which Australian cricketer do you hate the most? That's a difficult one. I think if I'm thinking about their peak, and it has to be Ricky Ponting, really. Really? Okay. Yeah. So, hmm. so to peak me, hatred period. Yeah, him. So the the one I I've got, and I haven't most of them. I've got like notes on why I hate them so much. But him, he's just for Van Bommel was just a name, and for this guy, it's just a name. So the Mitchell Johnson Ashes, where. Um, he toured through England and was definitely the difference between the two sides. And England had a reasonable team, but got done like five nil. And we just seemed to get into every test and then lose like the crucial session. And often it was this mm. guy counter-attacking and scoring runs. But I don't think he's actually that brilliant, but he was constantly a thorn in the side. Brad Haddon. Was not expecting that. Yeah, I just <laughs> That's I think great. it's... Uh, Maybe a slightly um, irrational hatred, but yeah, I don't. You need an irrational one. I'm glad you've got one because I've got an irrational yeah, one. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, even to the point like when he kept wicket, he kept wicket with his hands apart, and I was like, "Why are you doing that? That's not how anyone's done it in the history of keeping wicket." You're ah, everything you do. When you're is... hating, when you're hating someone for that, yeah, it's the height yeah. of irrationality. That's brilliant. There's a guy who mm. plays cricket in our league who just winds me up so much, and. Like the way he stands winds me up. It's just he stands at slip with his like legs apart and he just he just fancies himself so much and I just cannot stand the bloke. And someone said to me he's actually really nice. It's like I don't care. He's so yeah. arrogant. And and the moment we played him earlier in the season, um, and he left a ball which knocked his off stump out. Um, not by me, or I don't know. And it was my career highlight. Just watching him like go, hearing the kathunk and tucking his bat after his arm walked off. I was like, oh, just, yeah. So I get really, really, as you say, about some people. Um, so, yeah, he, he's that, he's the face of a couple of teams where I think they've, they've absolutely handed it out to England teams who should have done a lot better and have, have been really disappointing. And I just, when I think of them celebrating, he might even have been captain of that side. I'm not sure. Mm. Uh, whereas Ponting, I thought, I mean, Ponting inherited a very strong team and every kind of Australian captain inherited that really strong team. I sort of felt they responded really well to that pressure because someone at some point had to be the team that was going to take them down a bit of a decline. Um, and they had some of the knocks he played against England. The, in the 2005 Ashes, that one where they had to bow all day for the draw, and he got like 170, and they they just clung on. And yeah, he's just such a good player. I just never found. I've I've 
never hated him. I just sort of had a, a respect for him that he was just so good. I hated um, him immensely. The amount of brilliant um, <laughs> Australian players they are um, who I hated. That for me, that's not even a factor. Yeah. How good they they were, how they handled the pressure. Just hate, just hated them. His face, his the way he would just like moan about stuff, even though his team were doing worse things. Um, he just he, yeah, for me yeah, he actually, yeah really. he personified everything I just disliked about that that period of domination of of, of Australia. I know he wasn't the start of it or even or just about towards the end, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd probably more say Hayden for me. So none of these guys are overtaking Hayden. Hayden is like the top, but um, yeah, fair enough. Matthew Hayden was yeah he aggressively bullied teams into submission, quality bat really good fielder but just i oh, just and he looks to look he just looks so australian <laughs> I, <laughs> he couldn't be any more like he yeah clearly, he only like cricket is the only time he wears shoes he just wears flip-flops the whole of the rest of his life and calls them thongs just just uh, really wound me up um i'm now yeah i'm picturing him now arrogantly chewing his gum as he's just dispatched yeah. one for four. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the best things about the 2005 Ashes is that he didn't score a bean. I think he got 150 or something. Mm. Like he, they really sorted him out. Um, again, apparently a very nice bloke. Um, he's gone on to do sort of cookbooks and stuff, hasn't he, in, in Australia? Like, yeah. What? Do one. Um, and then the kind of pantomime villain, like the Merv Hughes, I've kind of got a grudging. I quite like that. It does make it more okay, exciting. Yeah. And yeah, you kind Agreed. of know what they're doing. But there's, and there's a couple of Australians in recent times who you think, I think you're really good and I'd have you in my team. Uh, like Ryan Harris was one of those. He's, he was a seriously under, he seemed to get, but get injured quite a lot. But mm. in that, that series. I know Johnson ripped through England's tail a few times, but Ryan Harris bowled a couple of absolute rosers to get Alistair Cook out um, mm. after they posted 600 or something. But yeah. Um, and yeah, it was just demoralising. But for me, yeah, the face of that celebrating obnoxiously team is Brad Haddon. And there was always chat that he wasn't even the best wicketkeeper. Um, and actually Tim Payne, who's now their captain, for a long time was mooted as the next big thing and Haddon's going to struggle to get in and um, Haddon was sort of understudy to Gilchrist for quite a while but then and he just seemed to get a little bit a little bit too much time for someone of his ability so yeah there you go fair enough I have a feeling Haddon was one of the two batsmen who shared uh, I, I went to an Ashes test at Cardiff where Australia batted it was the worst day of cricket you could ever imagine as a Lincoln fan Australia basically batted accumulated runs all day lost one wicket uh and then the rains opened got completely soaked for the final hour and a half it was like just the perfect storm almost yeah. literally yeah. of of terribleness I'm pretty sure he was part of that so yeah okay he deserves he deserves strong consideration we, we were quite lucky one year you and I because we went to the oval and um we England England playing South Africa and they got rolled for the last five, five wickets like they were staying clean them up and it was rain interrupted but we we were quite close to somewhere you could get shelter so it was so we had a good time there was like we got half a day's play maybe and a bit on and mm. off and but we had a great time obviously um mm. But I remember, I think we got one wicket of the of 
the Sapphires, and it was the opener who wasn't Graham Smith. But Graham Smith and Hashem Amler spent the last half an hour or so whacking it to mid-on, along the ground to mid-on, and not getting any runs. But you thought, they look pretty comfortable here. And the next day, I think the cumulative score for the day was about 275 for one. And it was like a really unlucky wicket. The Graham Smith was out for like 200 or something. And <laughs> Amla ended up getting 300, I think. But we were lucky that we only went to the the, the day before. <laughs> oh, God. Shall I move on to my irrational hatred one then, just following yours? I'm looking forward to it. Maria Sharapova. <laughs> and again, I can't even... I can't give you many good reasons for it. She just really annoys me. don't like seeing her. I don't like watching her play. She's got this annoying grunting noise she makes. Loads of tennis players do, but hers annoys me and I can't watch it. Um, she, I, She's not even one of these Kornikova types who wasn't that successful. She won five grand slams yeah, yeah. and uh, <laughs> was world number one for quite a bit. So it's not even that. I just find I just find her... Uh, just very dis- extremely dislikable. She had a feud with, um, you know, friend of the pod, erstwhile friend of the pod, Serena Williams. Oh, now it comes <laughs> at out. one point. Right. I don't think it was. So, and I, I, you know, obviously I took Serena's side purely because of my irrational hatred for Maria Sharapova. I don't know. And also, actually, there was one thing recently where she had some sort of drugs ban. And the way that was treated by her sponsors and by the media and everyone compared to how others are treated was very stark and noticeable. And she came out and did some press conference where it was like, oh, you know, she was really apologetic and what a strong stuff. She was a drug sheet at that period and she was treated completely differently. That obviously annoyed me because I hated her at that point too as well. So, yeah, <laughs> Maria Sharapova is, is, yeah, mark that one down as an irrational hatred. Yeah, that. I mean, it's not that irrational because you've listed a couple of quite, quite apt reasons. Well, the drug thing came years after I've already hated her. Right. <laughs> so okay, that just added, added further, you know, fuel. Yeah. No, I, I, she she wasn't wasn't well liked. I think generally, this one amongst mm. tennis. Um, yeah. Maybe that's the combination of the sort of poster girl with the fact that that she did beat them others a lot whereas Kornikova was just like absolutely hopeless for she got the serving yips and just wasn't yeah yeah so yeah mm. um mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that that is a that is a good one that is a good one um mm-hmm. okay well I've got I've got a good um film sport link here to my next one looking forward to this right so you're aware of the film series Star Wars. You're, you're aware of their work. Um, so the Empire... I've heard of it. Empire, you know, a lot of resources, but had to work through, you know, some quite difficult times. But you thought there's a lot of untapped potential there. Just need someone to get it all, all coming together. Um... And the emperor brought... I think I know where this is going, by the way, but carry on. You know, but you you don't have to worry too much about the empire because they never got their act together. 
and you just thought well maybe they'll just be that that sort of they'll never quite get it right um and then you know there's the genocide of all the jedis in that that harrowing prequel scene um and that yielded a period of success for the empire which is quite quite difficult for a lot of people to swallow uh particularly you know jedis and ewoks so um it's clive woodward um for me who just i mean what an absolute piece (laughs) um so he got england sorted out which is annoying it also kind of coincided with scotland who had been all right in the late 90s turning really crap and just getting pasted by 40 points by England every single year. And then Clive Woodward telling everyone what a genius he was because he now beats Scotland by 40 points every year. Oh, they won the World Cup, which you never hear the end of. And then he went on, did the Lions. He was rubbish at the Lions. He took twice as many players as anyone else does. And it was just awful. And got smashed off the park by the, the All Blacks. Then he went on, he was sort of a director at Southampton for a bit, which didn't go very well either. And then probably the thing that annoys me the most, but it might just be recency bias, is that he was on the Six Nations coverage earlier this year and said, well, I haven't seen Ollie Lawrence play for his club. And Ollie Lawrence was starting for England in the first Six Nations game against Scotland. And you're just like, you haven't done anything for 10 years. And you're not even watching videos of players who are playing in the game that you're being paid to be a pundit on. And it's just, you know, that's not even what you preach. That is complete hypocrisy. Um, And again, this section could have been entitled Which England Rugby Player Do I Hate the Most? So honourable mentions for Jeremy Guscott, mainly as a pundit, but, but really good as a player, annoyingly. Matt Dawson of that 2003 team, Lawrence Lallio, um, Johnny Wilkinson slightly less so, but without him, they wouldn't have won the World Cup. So he's quite annoying as well. But Would it be easier if you named the ones you don't hate from that squad? From 2003? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Would that be quicker? Yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> I think Josh Lucy got there through hard work. Yeah, and the rest of them can, can do stop. one, basically. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, I, I mean, they lost 76-0 three years before, or five years before that. I, I was there, I remember. England are going to be crap forever, and it's brilliant. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, um, I um, mean, he has made it quite difficult for everyone subsequently, so fair play to, to Woodward for that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, even Eddie Jones, I think, he's kind of doing it with a bit of a an awareness that he's the bad guy and he and he does make it more entertaining eddie jones and okay that's interesting comes out with but for me woodward was just thought he was the absolute god of everything and did things that no one had ever contemplated before and unfortunately his success was methodical and they were the best team and it would have been travesty if england hadn't won that world cup because they'd been everyone home and away for two years beforehand but that doesn't mean I should like it. So. Okay, so um, excellent. That was, that was a, a, a wonderful, heartfelt rant there. Um, and as soon as you started talking about Evil Empire, I was trying to work out which rugby person it was. <laughs> I actually thought it was going to be Eddie Jones, but obviously Woodward makes more sense. And you've just It might have been Eddie Jones if they'd won the World Cup. 
Okay, yeah, but right, fair enough, fair enough. Um, so yeah, it's <laughs> it's it, knowing how you feel about the England rugby team and um, uh, the resources that they have and, and what have you. Yeah, it's hard for me to to in any way argue with how much you must hate um, all of those people, but uh, Woodward in particular. I think you could have gone more into the Southampton debacle with Harry Redknapp <laughs> and just that being a total waste of time um, yeah. and a bit of a gimmick probably from Southampton. Um, yeah, I mean, even, I, I mean, I loved that World Cup win, but there's things um, about Woodward that I agree with you about that I find really annoying. And that Lions tour where they took a massive, not just loads of more, they took just a massive backroom team with them and then it was a complete I know there, yeah. was, there was some some mitigating circumstances, but it was just a, a complete disaster. That Alistair Campbell, famously, they took with him. Oh, they're like I'd even like, forgotten that. Yeah. I was I was thinking PR. I didn't just remember it's him. An absolute yeah, absolute car crash. Um, mm. and he took, I think it was a forty-four man squad. Um, and you do you need a lot of players because it's it's twenty-three. So I think then it was actually 22. So that's that was the logic of it. It's 22 men in a match day squad and you have to play midweek. But no Lions team has ever taken that many before or since. And they took mm. something like 20 England players. Um, and Scotland weren't brilliant at the time. So that, you know, it's not that alone. But some of the names in there, like I've looked back at that squad and thought, bloody hell, I'd forgot that guy even existed, let alone like, toured with the Lions. Um and yeah, they just got, um, it just got utterly pumped. And the mitigating circumstances, like I said, New Zealand is the hardest Lions tour. Um, the because the 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 club games are still of a really good standard, whereas Australia can't, and at the moment South Africa won't put put out good teams to play against you. Um, and it was widely accepted to be one of the greatest individual performances of any rugby match ever. Was what I think it's the second test from Daniel Carter where he just ran the show and it was just absolutely unplayable. But yeah, not not brilliant. Also a Driscoll and what happened to him in the yeah, first test. Yeah, in the first minute of the first test, yeah. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I remember being really excited about that tour. That was the first one I've been really excited for. I think it's probably the first one my, my parents had Sky, but there was this um, Adidas... Uh, trailer where they were playing British Bulldog. Do you remember that? Oh, I do. Yeah, and it yeah, was yeah. A yeah. Brilliant, brilliant advert, and it was like, right, bring this on. Um, and yeah, subsequently, unfortunately, as a spectacle, it was a bit disappointing. And we'll come onto the lines later at the moment, but um, yeah, for me, Clive Woodward definitely gets in there. Nice. So, over to you. Okay. Right, I've got one uh, texted back to my my youth, my young young days, and first getting into sport. So the nineteen eighties, where sport meant so much more to me uh, than um, than even it does now in terms of like really feeling it and just being absorbed by it and wanting people to do well and people to do badly. And um, there were a group. Again, this is a bit of a group of people, one of whom stands out. Um, there were a, gr a group of people in the 80s who were basically like my equivalent of the evil empire. These people I didn't like that kept winning. They were serial winners. And it was like, will this ever end? 
And when you're young, you don't have it, the perspective to know that at some point it has to end. <laughs> but it just went on and on and they would continually win. So uh, Liverpool in the 80s and everyone who played for them, um, I absolutely despised. Um, they won six league titles and there was a point when Everton joined them and it was just this Merseyside monopoly, as they called it, and they, they were winning league titles all the time. It's just like, this is never, ever going to end. Arsenal ended up end, ending it in 89, which was brilliant, but that was horrible. Martina Navratilova, who won a, probably a six Wimbledons during that time and just kept turning up and winning, and I didn't particularly like her compared to like Chrissy Everett. We talked about that rivalry. Yeah. And she would continually win at, at Wimbledon too, and thinking, "Oh God!" And she carried on into the nineties as well. Um, so to Cole me, the, Lewis. it was it was Navratilova Graf, mm. and I wanted Steffi Graf to win. Ah, uh, that was yes, a bit later. That was a bit yeah. later. Yeah. There you go. Who then, ironically, did the Golden Slam of winning all the four plus the Olympics. Yeah, in what, what must have been ninety two. Yes, eighty eight. Eighty eight was it? Mm. me. So yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so yeah. not exactly an underdog, but. Yeah. Mm. Sorry. I'm yeah. Gone. Yeah. No, that's fine. Carl Lewis as well, who was dominant for a period in the eighties and just didn't like him at all. Ben Johnson came along. Yay! Oh, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> as we've discussed and watched before, yeah. But I mean, even exactly. now, Carl Lewis comes across as pretty unlikable, doesn't he? Yeah, very much so. So all of these people, but there was one, and going back to a sport that who knew it would be such a feature of this uh, this series of <laughs> of this podcast, um, which is snooker. The person that stood out the most was Steve Davis, who came along and was just really good, but in the most boring way you can imagine. And that you know, <laughs> as we talked about before, snooker was huge during that period so everyone was watching it the documentary that was on about it recently gods of snooker talks about how it was getting you know more people were into it than, than football at that point football was going through a dark time um and he won about again about six world titles during that period and when you compare him with jimmy whirlwind white who's and you know um alex hurricane higgins whose names sort of suggest what sort of players they were in comparison to him all these really good players and he just kept on winning and winning Spitting Image did a puppet of him, and they took they 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 nicknamed him Steve Interesting Davis. That was that was his his uh, the, the the PR campaign that they suggested he needed. Um, and yeah, just in and he even appeared at a, a, a rally for the Tory Party with Margaret Thatcher. And you think sports people doing that is never a particularly good idea. No. Um, he which he says he regrets he regrets doing now himself. Um, it, it yeah, he was just. Again, amidst that backdrop of people that I just wanted to lose and rarely did. So when Dennis Taylor beat him in, in the final we've talked about in 85, the famous Black Ball final that millions of people were watching after midnight. Um, and that documentary recently, they talked about how that made people sort of humanised him a bit, made people like him. No, not at all. <laughs> I loved the fact he lost that. It's one of my favourite sports things ever, the fact he lost that match. Um, now... Again, with some of these people we've talked about being nice guys, I have to say with Steve David Davis, after his career, he's actually really, he's actually yeah. quite amusing. He's really good um, pundit, and he comes across really well. And I actually like him now, but as back then, no, pure hatred. He, he stood in a few times on ninety show. They think it's all over. The panel sort of precursor to the panel shows that we get. Oh, all did the time he? Now. Yeah, so he. He was one of the standing captains where someone like Gower was on tour with Sky or something like that. And he was 
like it was obviously everyone just slated him for being really boring but actually he's quite a dry sense of humor <laughs> right and yeah just getting the piss taken out yeah. by lee hurst it's like oh how things have changed so yeah um <laughs> steer away from yeah. that <laughs> um yeah so I, I think um yeah that's that is a good one um so uh i've got i've got another dis- i've got another sort of um irrational one um and then two that i've got a lot more reason behind but one's a bit weak because i think he's probably all right i don't i don't hate him personally have you got how many have you got left i've got one more that sort of wraps up a few people but then one who stands out okay well let's let's keep these quick shall we um do, do some quick fire runs let's right well i'll have um so plucky so when you've got teams that you hate your local rivals there's nothing worse than that than so you you don't mind it because they're constantly slightly hapless and they're wow they're never going to win anything you know the sort of man city man united well you know man united had that banner up saying how long it had been since they'd won anything and that sort of thing and so to me spurs are always going to be spursy but i am more worried that they're going to suddenly win something and that's Harry Kane's fault because he has made them a lot better. And not only that, he's also done it a bit with England. And I don't really hate yeah. the England football team in the same way, but it is it has in the past amused me about how hapless they are, which they're not anymore. But I'd say Spurs are more likely to win a bloody Carling Cup or something than England are going to win a major tournament. But... Um, He's not sure about that, but carry on. He's trying to redeem himself by hopefully leaving Spurs, which will make him return to normal in my eyes. However, I do worry he's going to stay there forever and continue to make them quite good. That's uh, an understandable fear, but no, he's going to leave in the next few weeks. You reckon? Uh, I'm not convinced. I Um, mean, that's your hatred of him talking. Uh, you know, you don't want to imagine. Yeah, I think he the, might be the, quite, the, what, the quite a decent scenario. Yeah. So no, no, no. Just more, just more that I he, look. He knows that he he's 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 been brilliant for Spurs. As mm. it, I don't think he owes them anything. Any the period when they could have won something was probably under Pochettino. What? what who cares about winning the Carling Cup if you're Harry Kane when you can go to it's a club and win titles? People, people who that's true. The people who took their medals off at the end of the final were the people who win the Carling Cup every year and, and are in the champ, you know, the Champions League final. Brilliant. Um, ben White from Brighton wasn't taking his bloody medal off. He's like, it's the best True. day of my life. I haven't even got changed for three weeks. Anyway. I think you mean Ben White from Arsenal. But <laughs> well, let's get on to that later. Um, <laughs> anyway, so that was a quick fire one. So Harry Kane. Um, I'll also have. I've talked about how Ireland are coming up on the rails as the most hated rugby team. A lot of it's through through their pundits and all the pundits' inability to say anything positive about any Scotland player because they see sort of Ireland as the the better version of Scotland. It's like, oh, Scotland's rubbish. (laughs) They always talk themselves up and they're always rubbish. But the personification of Irish rugby is not a pundit, it's Johnny Sexton. And he's, to me, he's the first rugby player who really started diving and milking injuries um and you just wow. 
so that that it, he's annoying. And I think he is overrated as a player. And he went over to France to try and make it a big club. Didn't make it. It was a disaster. And he came back to Ireland. Whereas Finn Russell's made Scottish hero has made the same move and made it like, and he's an absolute hero in Paris. And I just think, I just think he's a bit overrated as a player and he's Irish and um, he milks injuries and gets people simbin. I just don't like it. Hmm. So there you go. So okay. do you want to, that's good. Um, and I've got one irrational one, which I can't really explain, but if you got one more left. Okay. Yeah, let me just yeah, let me just wrap this bit up. I think it's worth mentioning, um, and I, th- I I had a feeling neither of us would have either of this pair on our list. That you know we we do remember that John Terry and you know and Luis Suarez exist, but it's I mean it's a bit cheating to put them in, and who doesn't dislike them sort of thing? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> successful spell at Villa. That's his mitigation, but he did leave this week. So yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, but, and you could apply this, my final one, you could apply the same sentiment in terms of like everyone who really likes them. But I hate this person so much. And this is the candidate for worst person alive um, pick uh, that I have to, I have to mention Jose Mourinho. Um, he, and this is why it was so important to me that coaches were allowed in <laughs> because um, he, he is just, a terrible, objectively, a terrible human being. I mean, the amount of bad things that he does yeah. in a sporting context, but just sort of generally, he is, he's very, he is so self-absorbed. Do you remember that Champions League final that he won with Inter where he then takes off his medal and strides across the pitch to give it away on the pitch whilst his players are all celebrating um, holding up the trophy because he knows the camera's going to follow him rather than them. The fact that he holds up like the number of fingers uh, of uh-huh. trophies he's won, it's all about him. It's not about the team. Yeah. Oh, that he was asked, to, I remember an interview where he was asked about, you know, Chelsea lost to whatever team it was last year in that big, into a big match. Does that, he said, that wasn't me though. I'm, you know, it's a, you know Chelsea didn't exist before him. Um, what he did with his, you know, his female doctor, uh, yeah. um, so say, who then yeah. ends up leaving. That's that's horrendous and no consequences really for that. Um, Luke Shaw. And Freeman of Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw. Free. The way he throws young players under the bus and he did that at Man U like, appallingly. And the way he... Um, um, Oh God, there's just so many. I don't, yeah, I could go on forever, but he, he's just, yeah, I just think he's objectively a, a not, and, and again, I don't hear many people saying he's a nice guy, but because he wins stuff, he doesn't exist unless he's winning. That persona is unsustainable unless you're winning stuff um, and winning big trophies. Um, and that's why it's always been so good to see him like fail because he just looks like what he is, which is just a bit of a petty, ridiculous person um, who isn't really a nice person at all. It's all about winning. doesn't even play good football when he's got given huge budgets. Anyway, done. I, um, when he was appointed Spurs manager, was one of my all-time favourite days. Because <laughs> no one who was a Spurs <laughs> fan wanted that. And um, It was brilliant. And just you could send out some little little bits of bait to your Spurs supporting mates along the lines of 
we know he's a proven winner and he'll get you that that Carling Cup you're after. Um and I just I just loved it. And um and it's a shame it was as brief as it everyone knew it was going to be. And I thought I know we could have perhaps yeah. dragged it out for a little bit longer. Um it's a shame. There's always that dilemma with Mourinho when things are going wrong. You think, well, he's making Chelsea stroke Spurs stroke Chelsea again. Stroke Man United, United. <laughs> really bad. He's making them worse. But oh, lovely if he gets sacked. You know, there's always this. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, that's the difficulty. But The, the Mourinho yeah. dichotomy, isn't it? Yeah, that paradox. is it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and you know he's going to get a massive pay. Yeah, pay off, I mean, but, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's got more money than he'll ever need anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. Walk past mm. him in London once. He's really, really good looking as well. So, oh, oh, there you go. Um, so, my last one is so any of my friends who are listening will be surprised i haven't mentioned this person already because <laughs> i <laughs> say to use another um, one of my friends is bang on about it but um rider cup golf is an arena where you can start hating people pretty easily so you've got like patrick hmm. doing the thing and keegan bradley and loads of americans who are really irritating and just going a bit over the top, USA. I still hate Paul Casey more. Wow. <laughs> I just cannot stand it. When he does, he just, the interview, and he's really good. He's never quite won a major. He possibly, he's one of those sort of guys he deserves to. I mean, he's really good game. He turns out for GB in the Olympics when I think a lot of the guys were a bit sniffy about it. There's reasons to probably like him. But I just... He just seems really, really arrogant, and in the end, it's just the interviews that just—I I almost cannot watch them anymore. So brilliant, I love it. <laughs> That's very good, and he's got a very, um, you know, glamorous golf golf wife as well, uh, which you know, which you know, you just know he wouldn't yeah. have if he wasn't, you know, what attracted rich. you to multi-millionaire Paul Casey? Quite, yeah. So um, that's that's very good. I like, I like the visceral levels. Of can't can't even look at them. Hatred. Yeah. 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 He's probably my most irrational because I good. He plays for a team I would support and against the empire. But yeah. Right. We've got a podium out of that. We do. Where do we even start? Um, I do feel that Dutch footballers. Uh, sorry, we did one honourable mention in the Dutch footballers. He somehow got out of it as both a player and a manager for heinous crimes against justice and stabbing your team in the back. Ronald Koeman. I'm really sorry for not mentioning him as well. Yeah, I thought about that addition today and forgot to. So thank you for for correcting that omission. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Right. So. Where do we start? So we have, yeah, we've got Steve Davis, Maria Sharapova, we've got Mourinho, we've got, well, a whole host of think, Dutch yeah, players. Yeah, yeah, the country of Holland, um, I think. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we both had Mark Van Bommel mentioned. Yeah. He wasn't your top hated Dutch, but I do feel like we should mark the occasion of finally managing to get the same answer by Pab putting them I on think, the podium. I think we should. And also, he was he was the first person I thought of before I remembered Van Nistelrooy existed. And also, he was at one point my most hated sports person of all time. So I think he deserves... Well, I think he uh, should be Dean Macy, then, shouldn't be he? Because 
that's yeah, the, let's that's do it. Would pick. Um, let's Dean Macy him. So yeah, successful recipient of the final slot in series, uh-huh. season one. Very good, Dean Macy room. Um, mm-hmm. That's good as well because he's on there, and it will, I'll be annoyed that he's on there, which fuels my <laughs> hatred as well. <laughs> Burning um, in perpetuity. <laughs> exactly. Um, remind me who your early ones were. Uh, Brad. So, uh, so the ones I've listed: Mark Van Bommel, Brad Haddon, yeah. Clive Woodward, Harry Kane, Johnny Sexton, Paul Casey. Mm. Yeah, I like. I, I like. I just feel like the um, that Australian cricket team needs to be recognised somewhere yeah. on this, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, and the fact it was him is really good as well because that's a very personal. I would never have, never have picked that one. Um, so it has that extra level of there was that someone stood out within that team for very you know personal heartfelt reasons. So I I feel like that's a good one. I, I like that. And if it was him in that partnership in, in Cardiff, then nothing would give me more pleasure than yeah. to see him. Okay, so we've got Haddon mm. for the podium. And mm-hmm. then, I mean, it feels like Mourinho's got the most reasons to be really hated. Mm. Um, yeah, just a terrible person. And and we're talking about love to hate as well. Yeah, I, mean, the, I think we know. should make him bronze because he'll be annoyed that he's not gold. Perfect. Let's get him in there. Yeah, good. Mm-hmm. So we need, we need one more. Um... um. I I think there's another one of yours that again um was it it was a very well argued case I thought and that's Clive Woodward yeah for me Clive Woodward's gold but yeah because yeah I I'm fine with that the fact that he won the world cup as England coach and even I find him very annoying <laughs> I don't hate him that as much uh, it says everything really so yeah let's get him on there Effect. What a podium. Shall we talk Olympics? I think we should. So at time of recording, we're uh, pretty much halfway stage, one week in. I think it's been really good. What, what, uh, what's been catching your eye so far? So I haven't watched as much as I'd hoped to, but I, I always think since 2012... There's like a bit in the Olympics which suddenly ignites my Olympics and that I've really got into it. And actually that was this morning. So I sat and watched an, uh, an athletic session and it was all amazing. Like the, the narratives of all the different bits like woven together. And I just, I feel like it's currently, it's like one of the most kind of joyous displays of sport because it's everyone's moment in the limelight. It means so much to them that you end up like almost supporting everyone. So actually the bit I watched, there weren't that many Brits in it. I ended up supporting the people that in the 10 seconds I'd known them, I judged whether they were a dickhead or an absolute hero or like <laughs> yeah. a favourite. And the ones that had narratives obviously were much more likely to be supported. Um, but also the bit, so I watched the 400 hurdles and I watched, there was like the semis of that and they went, they do the thing lane by lane when they introduce them and they all react differently. And basically how they react is whether I'm going to support them or not. 
That's classic Tom Dixon. <laughs> and there was a guy. So there was a Norwegian guy. Uh, is he Norwegian? Is he? Uh, yeah, I think he's Norwegian. Norwegian. Yeah. The, uh, the Rasmus. Um, I've forgotten his surname, but I know the, I, the current world record holder. And, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, world and champion. Because there's a guy in the bridge called Rasmus who's like a lovable oaf who just kept mucking things up. Yeah, and course. I always, therefore, have a bit of cynicism about people called Rasmus. And then he, like, to psych himself up, slapped himself in the face. And I was like, oh, you're a bit annoying. And then two lanes down was an American guy who did something like quite sort of stereotypically American. But in between was an Irish guy who just looked pleased to be there. And, like, he, he was just like <laughs> laughing at the Norwegian guy. <laughs> Um, and like the whole, you know, Irish Olympic team was like, well, or the athletics team, like they were all cheering for him, but clearly then just cheering anyone else. He sort of did that thing where they get, they get the crowd to clap and it just yeah. sort of warmed the cockles this morning. So I, it has been great. It's, I don't know if it's what everyone's been through over the last 18 months, but it's felt even more inspiring and emotional than than ever before just so many what you're talking about with that session I've seen that in so many different sports everyone seems to have a story it's like I don't know episode of like the x factor or something everyone's got their heart rending story yeah um and but this time it's actually you know it's not some contrived thing it's you know it's it's great it's been brilliant and um and yeah really really inspiring have you been watching many of the minority sports uh no not i've watched so i've picked up highlights and things i've not watched very much live because the timing it has been sort of during work hours quite yeah yeah so um so no i've watched uh i have listened to bits and pieces on the radio which has also been amusing watching listening to very good bbc commentators try and cover sports that they haven't done ever before it's 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 brilliant that you should say that because this next segment that I want to quickly go through um, is about some of the minority sports and the punditry and I have watched quite a few sessions and I'd say it takes me about forty to forty five minutes before I'm categorically an expert in the sports <laughs> I've never watched before. All right, so to uh, what I wanted to, uh, uh, so you have this might be a bit more difficult for you than me okay. as an expert. Um, but what I want to do four, obviously, there's going to be four questions in this little quiz. Okay. Is to, um, I'm going to give you four phrases, a bit of terminology from four sports, and you've got to tell me what the sport, what sport it is. Okay. So okay. just as a background, uh, mm-hmm. and as probably before a fall, I cannot watch any sport without looking up all the rules. So <laughs> I like, if I get into anything, I will, I'm, I'm all or nothing. So um, okay, it's these ca- these are very much whether I think I've watched them at any time in the past before. So fine, okay. Let's see you may be able out. to, you may be able to. Mm. Anyway, let me just start. Uh, I'm going to start with this one. Uh, this is a move in a particular sport. Kachev. Oh, that's gymnastics. Ah, do you know what the move is? Uh, it's on the bars. Mm-hmm. Where they like flip and uh, then have to catch release the from the bar yeah, and then catch yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent, strong start. They get harder. Um, uh, my sister <laughs> did a lot of gymnastics, and my uh, ah. niece did as well. So I've watched quite a lot good. of gymnastics. I Very mean, gym- good. Gymnastics okay. 
relentlessly impressive everything they do. Yeah, like, can't, it's I can't do a press up on the floor. How do you do it on rings? That is yeah, witchcraft. <laughs> yeah. yeah, rings is one of the most ridiculous things uh, I've ever seen. And the only the only event in any sport that actually I find stressful is watching the beam, the women on the beam doing <laughs> yeah. all those flips on that tiny. It's like what? How do you even learn how to do that? Anyway, we discussed this right. morning. Sorry, get subject. Uh, Look, yeah. Matt, Max Whitlock won a gold this morning. Spoiler alert. So you can see kind of where in gymnastics a lot of the things would have come from. Pommel was yeah. an odd one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. As if like there would be yeah. people in the Wild West going, well, how good's your horse? He's, he's very calm. What can you do on your horse? Watch this. Like, where did it come Straight from? into a handstand. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, that's quite impressive, yeah. Um, yeah, good. <laughs> a very good point, which I had never thought of and now forever will. <laughs> Uh, right, so gymnastics tick, excellent. Uh, right, okay. In what sport would you hear in the commentary T1 and T2? Oh, uh, oh. is that the um, like the whitewater rafting canoeing thing? No, it's not. But I'll give you a clue. It, it stands for Transition 1 and Transition 2. Oh, uh, that would be um, triathlon then. Yes, that is correct. Okay, tick with clue. Right, now these ones, one of these, well, no, let me just uh, go straight into it. In what sport would someone do a no-handed can-can? No-handed makes me think it's a bicycle, so it'll be um, BMX. I'll give you that. It's the BMX freestyle. Oh. Yes. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> The can-can is kicking your leg out for absolutely no reason other than <laughs> so someone can say you've done a can-can. Yeah. Uh, and obviously no-handed is your hands are off the bar as well whilst you do it. Very good. This is, this is strong and much better than I thought it was going to be. Right, final one. In what sport... Uh, would you hear someone has got either a goofy stance or a regular stance? Uh, so where a lot of my sporting knowledge comes from is computer games that I played during the 90s. And that was a thing on uh, 1080 snowboarding on the N64. But there's no snowboarding, so I must be skateboarding. He showed his working and he nailed it. That is for the second time I'm going to have to give you a round of applause <laughs> on this pod. Because you got four out of four. But that is excellent work. Three and a half because I got caught clear on my All right. Let's, let's say three and a half. But um, So we're both experts yeah. on minority sports, well, it turns um, out. I think time. I've worked out how to be an expert commentator is mm. that you get uh, two facts about the sport you're commentating on and use those to fill in. And apart, and apart from that, it's say what you see. So... Or defer to your expert kind of. Um, that is true. Expert, unless you're kind of summarizer. Unless you're Jonathan Pierce, in which you get two thousand stats <laughs> yeah. and mention all of them during the ninety minutes. But yes, very true. Um, but they, I was listening to on the radio, so it was the mixed medley swimming relay. So you have a team of four, but two women and two men. And they explained that there's a, obviously a tact 
tactically you can do it how you want but you, some go off fast with the men and then finish with the women and some do it the other way around and some mix it up and they used that fact four times in the first leg <laughs> they are miles ahead but remember i was like yes okay, i've got grasped it two are fast two are slower but yeah i got it they are four <laughs> seconds ahead, but they're only just ahead of the other male competitor. And remember, yes, I've got it. Yeah, I've got it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, okay, thanks. So, so you didn't find yourself like by the second leg thinking, hmm, I wonder why they're so far. Oh, just remembered. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for the reminder. No, no, no. I was hmm. thinking, well, what would I do? So, and what yeah. was good, which they only said once, which I thought was really interesting, is that you don't want to be behind on the lane adjacent because um you get the waves yeah so it's better if you so the the way the brits were was really well situated because they started off with one of the female swimmers but she was in between two other female swimmers so she was up in a similar level to them and whereas the men that had gone off much quicker were a bit removed so actually sure yeah tactics. i thought see that mm. is interesting but that is interesting that would have taken i thought that would take maybe one more explanation than just the mm. too fast too slower um but yeah and have adam pt at the end because he'll, he'll win so well i think he did yeah they he did get a silver today but so yeah. um yeah it, it um it was it has been very interesting i mean i've I have been a little bit disappointed by the world's refusal to adopt Dean Macy as as a pseudonym for fourth place. But, um, yeah, I'd have thought, you know, I sent. Um, considering the success of our pod, you would have thought, you know, that have seeped into the, in the consciousness. Yeah, and um, mm. and then I did. I don't know if you watched the say so the high jump and the triple jump to me were um, fascinating today because say so the high yeah. jump. People just seemed to keep coming up who were still in, who I hadn't seen yet. Yeah. And then the Korean guy, who was the most excited person to be in any Olympic event ever. Um, and then, I don't know if you noticed this, there was a, an American guy who ended up finishing about seventh, who had like the long dreads, who looked really yeah. aloof when he was competing. But then I saw him about four times in the background doing the claps for other people. <laughs> like, oh, no, you're, you actually seem quite a good guy. And then the, the Qatari guy who broke his sunglasses and didn't clear a height after he broke his original sunglasses. So oh, I'd be like... Didn't realise that. Yeah. And he seemed like, oh, don't worry, I've got another pair. I was like, mate, they are your lucky sunglasses. And then for Glue them to, to your face if you have yeah, to. <laughs> yeah. And then to split the goal between him, spoiler alert, him and the Italian guy who I was starting to root for the Italian guy because he had narrative that he'd missed an olympics and just missed gold or, or just missed a medal in in london and he just seemed like a really good guy that everyone kind of wanted to win so when they split the gold and their respective reactions i just thought oh this is this is just i think amazing. my favorite moment of the game so far is just overhearing that conversation where the rules guy <laughs> is saying to them so you've got two choices here you could carry on and uh and do like a playoff thing or you could have and before he's even said it they're going to each other We'll both take the gold, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why on earth would you not just say, we will both have the gold? I've still won gold. Yeah. One of us is going to get silver if we do it the other way. It's not really a choice. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. That was, I, I mean, arguably, they should cut the medal in half and the silver in half and glue them. But uh -huh. if you're offered two gold, you're, you're taking that all day long, aren't you? 
But there, there, well, are, there would be some athletes who'd say, no, I'm... No, exactly. Um, yeah. But, but they yeah, made the right was, decision. That was <laughs> amazing. And then the triple jump, which is women's triple jump, you had that Venezuelan who... Uh, so her second... Uh, her second... Was it second or third? I think it was her third longest jump in the competition would have won the gold by 30 centimetres ahead of anyone else. And then yeah. the, so the last jump of the competition was just her. She already had the gold. It was her versus the world record, which had stood for uh, 25 years. Yeah. And she'd smashed the world record in one of the rounds, but overstepped. And it looked like she just messed it up and it was still a world record. And yeah, because her second set of the skip bit just looked like she stopped. Like, yeah. <laughs> and they went through. Yeah. Did you hear when they went through the distances of like, this is how long the jump and then the step was? Um, and they read them out and it was like, they're meant to be broadly even. The one in the middle was clearly like three metres. And they were like, that is less than ideal. And she's breaking the world record. Wow. So, There's yeah. more to come. But I felt all that oh. session, mm. all that session, mm. just for me, just sat there with my wife and we watched it for probably three or four hours. And I haven't watched the hurdles final. That was all I missed because they went on to watch some, show some other stuff. So I'll be catching up with Rasmus later on to see how he got on. No, it, well, if it's the 400 hurdles, that's that they don't do that on the same day. So that's probably ah, tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Or the day after. But yeah, I agree. It's been it's been great. And that, that session this morning was was superb. So yes, roll on the next week. One thing that's drawn my attention to the Olympics a little bit was having watched the Lions yesterday. So one of the things about Lions is I don't get to watch many Lions test matches because they quite often clash with cricket. But we were rained off yesterday. So, you know, whilst I wasn't in the umpire's ear saying, come on, lads, there's a kickoff at five o'clock. Let's make a decision there. <laughs> um, and I sat down and watched it. And it's it's been a bit anti Olympics and all the joy of the Olympics and I just feel all the joy has been sucked out of the Lions a bit by so the South African coach has massively moaned about the refereeing but and he's not the coach actually because they, he's exploited a loophole so he's no longer the head coach so he can be a water boy and come onto the field yeah um, what? yeah so he's a water boy so he's the guy who made that hour long uh, video Razi Erasmus was on the pitch frequent times during the game yesterday during stoppages oh, wow. stoppages just happens to be often when they're making critical refereeing decisions of course um did you watch the game i did uh i did so colby i give from what i could see uh pretty un pretty lucky not to get red carded twice in the first half um yeah and uh and I think there is a lot of the rules in rugby where if you watched it and you're like, well, he's got no intention of doing that and he's got these eyes. Like, that's not in the rules. It doesn't matter. It's just the outcome. And But it just seemed like there was a lot of aggro, a lot of people trying to get other players sent off. I thought the referee bottled that big decision. I think there were a couple of Lions players who could have perhaps gone for, for 10 minutes here and there as well anyway. Um, and it just... And they're not really playing any rugby, so it's kind of no. Asian is should be really big, um, and actually it's been really disappointing. I mean, one of my friends described it as a spectacle 
the test matches so far have been an utter bag of sick. Um, which not not a term I'd use, but I can't really argue. Um, and mm. it is trying, and I worry a bit for the Lions because it's going a bit in the direction like the midweek games when it was announced that used to be quite a big thing. So in New Zealand, they used to put really good teams out, and if someone played well for the midweek teams, they'd get maybe get in the All Black squad. I just think the All Blacks are really the only people who can kind of resource it now. Australia are not brilliant as a team and their midweek teams are shite. South Africa should be really good, but because they play such limited rugby, it just turns into this massive arm wrestle. And I worry that... um, So we're... You and I are going to watch the final game together next week. That it... The Lions are either going to try and beat them at their own game again which I can't see being particularly successful, or they're going to have to change the, the way the team plays, probably play quite a few different players and really go for it. And I still think that's not that likely to succeed. So on the back of my successful Italy prediction, I think the Lions are going to lose next week, which is a bit of a shame. Mm. I, whereas I think... Um, well, they obviously could might lose, but I think... how they know South Africa are going to play. And I think they do have the quality potentially to match match them and do something a bit different. At least they know exactly what they're going to face now. I think they know what they're going to face. I think there's a chance. I do think it would be close. I don't think... Um, so I think you, you probably feel quite strongly that South Africa have got this now. Whereas I think I think it could easily go to the Lions if they just adopt a different approach. I uh, yeah, I want I worry that whether Gatlin's got a plan B. Um but he is one of the best coaches there's ever been. So, you know, fair play. We'll we'll leave it leave it in his court. But um I mean they and they do have a lot of really good players to to play a different game plan, but it does mean bringing in players who have not played all that much recently and you know, they could go full on I mean, as a Scotland fan, I obviously think Finn Russell should start because that is the way to play the complete opposite game plan. Dan Bigger passed the ball something like five times in that game. He just kicked it all the time. Um, And I just feel like the first test, they caught them cold. The second test, they've kind of caught up. And I worry the momentum is with them now. So you've got to really, really change the game plan. Um, But Finn Russell... Owen Farrell, 10 and 12. That that could be quite tasty, I think. Um, but I think they'll mm-hmm. drop. They're otherwise, unfortunately, the Scotland players were pretty hapless yesterday. Uh, Hogg. I don't think Hogg was as bad as everyone was saying. He wasn't very good. And then Duan van der Merve is not, not a brilliant high ball merchant. And that's all, all South Africa did to him. And he got Simbin. So, uh, yeah. So, I... It's a bit, dis- yeah, I'm a bit disappointed um, because the next, yeah, the next tour is to Australia and I just don't think Lions tours to Australia are that great. So it's a bit of a shame. I think the Olympics has cast it into a bit of a poor light, really. Yeah. Well, let's hope, let's hope the f- that final test, which at least is perfectly poised now, mm. um, brings, you know, is actually a good occasion and some actual rugby is played and hopefully it can end on a high whichever way it goes absolutely 
Well, as we've mentioned, this is the final episode of season one. Optimistically, season mm-hmm. one. Uh, <laughs> and so we'll have a little recap of... Um, I thought it'd be good to look back at our uh, gold, silver, bronze, Dean Macy. It's a Dean Macy room. Uh, looking back. Yeah. See who's so, in there. Yeah, maybe we could we could do a little quiz actually. So I'll I'll, I'll say to you the um the topic, and mm. then you can guess who you think with the Dean Macy was. Should we do that? Okay, excellent. Okay, Brilliant. right. So episode one, we need to fire through this as quickly as we can. I think. Okay. Episode right. one. Um. So this is unusual sporting offspring. Oh, this was something extremely left field. I think. Or was it? Oh no! I could, uh, who, who would? Oh, actually, no. Was it Layla Ali? No, was, no, no. She no, got gold. No, she got gold. So, oh, no, no, you're out of time. So, so the winner is um, the Laurinaitis family, who were uh, jointly in the NFL and then one member of the Legion of Doom. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, Good. episode okay. two. Uh, best kits. So, what was the left field best kit? Wasn't that some sort of American kit from some uh, minor league or something? Uh, uh, yeah, no, I'll, it... I'll give it to you. It was actually the New York Yankees because it, it applied to haircuts ah. as well. Remember that? Oh yes, being clean mm-hmm. shaven, having your haircut. Of um, course, yeah. Uh, we got so uh, episode three. Um, bad in stadium music at Stroke Entertainment. <laughs> I think this was George Michael yeah, at very the Olympics good. closing ceremony. Come on, wasn't George, it? play the hits. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. Right, episode four sports teams rivalry stroke derbies. This is difficult to get this one, but actually was referred to oh. in a recent pod. It wasn't escape to victory. It was no, escape to yeah, victory. it was. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> escape to victory. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, biggest flops at elite level. I don't actually remember us discussing this one very much. So this is going to be hard. I think. Biggest flops. Yeah. Not Graham there. Taylor. Ah, uh, yeah, because he was a manager. He was a coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, individual rivalries. Who did we go for with individual rivalries? Uh, so, what sort of what sort of players did we people do we even? Was it tennis? Was it cricket? Nah, gone. Who was uh, that? So one? the Dean Macy room was Bolt Gatlin. Ah, yeah, yeah, that 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 so, overhyped duel. Yeah, that was a bit harsh of being Dean Macy. I think we struggled a bit for Dean Macy that one. We just had four really yeah. good candidates. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Heartbreaking defeat. God, this is only a few weeks ago. <laughs> um, no, who was that one? That was John Isner, Nicola Mahu. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah. we put that in there. Yeah, yeah we did. Because it's yeah. obviously ridiculous. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay, good. So this this one is without doubt my favourite gold silver bronze Dean Macy topic, and I think we should do it again. Is the rules that should be introduced into sport? Um, do you remember the <laughs> Dean Macy one? No. It was that rugby shirts should at all time have collars. <laughs> I um, don't remember that at all. <laughs> uh, so, so the the gold 
gold was that overhead kicks should always count regardless of how offside they are. Uh, silver was abolishing seeding, which I think just should be. Yeah, it's great. Should um, happen. And then bronze's ball tampering should be allowed because the balance has gone too far in favor mm. of batting. So, I mean, mm-hmm. and it it'll make it up to scrutiny, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. I think those are all legitimate. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, favorite all time goals? I remember this one because it because didn't it come in <laughs> at the last minute? Yeah, 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 yeah. From wide on the wing and spank it into the top corner. So that was that was the uh, what's his name again? Begins with a K, doesn't it? Kasami, Pat, Paj, Tim, Kasami, Kasami for Crystal Palace. The Fulham players uh, for got Fulham that against goal Crystal Palace. Yeah, that we yeah. Uh, most and we, infam- put, we 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 mentioned it in passing. Mm. <laughs> uh, most infamous moments in sport. There was like ear biting and. Bronze cricket stuff. And uh, cricket is under cricket. Yeah, under yeah, I don't remember what the silver was. Mm. Body line. Uh, Dean Macy was Rivaldo versus Turkey. Of course, doing his ridiculous pantomime cheating. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. penultimate but not least, uh, ludicrous scores. Oh, what did we settle on there? So I know we had the we had again. There was some cricket. Uh, yeah, some silly football scores. What? No, God, I should remember this, but what was it? So it's Warwickshire 810 for four, featuring Brian Lara, 500. Lara. Yeah, because um, it, it was so silly that it stopped being about the, ga- the actual competitive game. It was purely about the ludicrous score. Yeah. <laughs> and then closing the door behind him as he goes in and starts a fight with everyone. <laughs> Mark Van Bommel. Very good. Well, good. What, oh, yes. what a rogues gallery. Exactly. Very varied. Excellent selection of, uh, yeah, fourth places. <laughs> I think Dean Macy would be quite proud of that, to be honest with you, some of those. I think so. so. Anything where you can have George Michael, um, Graham Taylor, <laughs> And the New York Yankees in the same room uh, with the Legion of Doom has to be quite good. Indeed. Indeed. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Marvellous. Uh, all very enjoyable. So when so we will we'll pause. I know people are going to miss hearing you typing into a spreadsheet very much. <laughs> um, but <laughs> we will be back with more of that and more uh, inane sporting chat. Absolutely. Uh, well, and if anyone has any ideas for things that they want us to cover that we can add to our, when we have our lab conversation about what we do in the next season, uh, forget the email addresses, frankly, who cares pod at gmail.com. It'd be great to hear from you or any comments you've got about the show generally. And we will, uh, we'll consider those. Uh, and fa- and thanks to all those who have made contributions to date. Yeah. Thank you very much and all of our, our loyal listeners. If you do contribute, you stand a very good chance of featuring. So. That's a fair comment. <laughs> so, until season two, uh, we season will two. S- say goodbye and thanks for listening. Cheers. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>